For our scripture reading this morning, if you haven't figured it out, comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and we will be looking at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 on this Epiphany Sunday. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as we've noted multiple times during our worship service already, today is Epiphany Sunday, and as uh, Reverend and I both said earlier, Epiphany is another way of saying manifestation. And the reason that that is important is in the other parts of the Christmas story that we just covered during Advent, Jesus is appearing to a bunch of people. Now, a lot of those people are Jewish folks, folks who knew the Old knew the prophets, who knew what it had said and had been waiting on the Messiah to show up for a long time. But on this particular Sunday, we recognize when a whole different group of people show up to worship Jesus, a people called the Gentiles. The Magi were from the East. They probably weren't Jewish. They were very likely not Jewish. They probably been people of another religion entirely. And they show up here not knowing any of the Old Testament scripture there was some kind of prophecy here, and they come to worship Jesus, and the moment that they step through the door of that house where Mary and Jesus are, the, the gospel message, the good news of the Messiah, the Savior of the world coming for all people is brought front and center for the Gentiles. And that's important for us because as non-Jewish folks, we are Gentiles, and so this is the moment that the gospel becomes available to us. It's the moment that the Messiah who had been promised and carried through the Jewish history was brought to everyone. And so we are here today because the Magi and others journeyed first. Last week, as we ended 2020, we focused on a call to patience, a call to make a resolution to listen for God's voice this year, to be patient as God speaks in our world and in our lives. Today, as we enter into 2021, we're going to focus on what that journey might look like and what might we be called to do as people of faith trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus. As I thought about what that was like this week, my mind was drawn to music. 
Now, that may be because I usually listen to music. If you come into my office during the week, chances are I've got some playlist on of some sort playing music. I usually will turn it off if you come in so you may not hear it right away. But I'm usually listening to something because I love listening to music. Because there's something powerful about music, right? Music can take us back. We can hear a song on the radio, and all of a sudden we're transported 20 or 30 years into the past, unless you haven't been alive 20 or 30 years, so a year into the past. And we can just think of a moment or a place or people that we used to listen to that song to or that were around us when that song was out and when it was popular. Or to a dance where maybe if you were like me, you were standing off to the side trying to not be anybody, but the same songs would come on and you would feel like you were supposed to go and dance with somebody, or whatever it is. They can bring terror into your life. Songs can bring joy into your life. They can bring you back. As a matter of fact, they've seen some success with Alzheimer's patients recently where they can play music. All of a sudden, they are dancing as they used to do, or they are transported back, or they can even start to, to sing some of the words, even though they really can't remember anything else. Dementia patients and others. Music is a powerful thing. Now, there's one genre of music that always takes me back to a time in my past, a time in my childhood, and that is music by 90s and early 2000s boys, boy bands. Now, this is a picture of me when I was 14 or 15 or somewhere in that stage, sitting on a bunk bed at Caswell on a youth trip, uh, and he and I are about the same, except for he had questionable choices sunglasses, or possibly transition lenses. I'm not 100% sure which one I'm wearing in that picture, but anytime I hear boy bands or Britney Spears or NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, any of that kind of music, I am almost immediately transported back to the back seat of my mother's car. I'm the oldest of five, but at this point, my brother Daniel wasn't yet born, and so there were just four of us. Uh, but my mother would always have somebody in the front seat, so we'd sit in the back, somehow crunched together in this car. Usually there was a car seat on the right side, and as the oldest, I had first rights to the other window seat. And so I would sit there, and I would look out the window, and I would elbow my brother, because as the oldest, I have rights to the window seat and all that that entails. First, you know, if you're the firstborn, you know the younger siblings do not get the things that you get. And so I remember elbowing them. And I would look out the window and watch cars and things go by. But the reason that boy bands and other things take me back to that moment is because that is what my mother had on the radio nonstop when I was this age. All the time, playing on whatever the local station was. Now, nowadays, you can't find anything that sounds like this for the most part. There's lots of computers added and auto-tune and everything else. But back then, this is what radio stations played. And so when I hear this music come on the radio, I'm immediately transported back to that time where I reflect on those moments in my mother's car, as uncomfortable as they were. I can almost smell that kind of time. And for you, maybe you have some music like that too. Well, another genre of music that takes me back that I love to listen to when I'm working is something that started in me whenever I was in middle school. In middle school, I had the opportunity to go on an art trip to New York City. And while we were there, we visited museums and did a bunch of things. But one of the things that we had the opportunity to do was go to Broadway. And so I remember being 13 or so, 14 years old, sitting in Broadway for the first time, hearing the words of the Phantom of the Opera. That was the show that we were able to go and see. And just being mesmerized by the songs and everything that was happening there. Now, I don't listen to show tunes all the time or anything like that. Now, some people may, and that's okay. But anytime I listen to Broadway music, it, it just has a way of telling a story of drawing you in. It's kind of like a country song in some ways, but maybe on a bigger scale. And so anytime we listen to Broadway music, I just feel like I'm being connected with that. 
And this week as I thought about music and as I thought about the journey of the Magi and as I thought about our journey as Christians into 2021, one particular song from a Broadway show that is currently on Broadway, or at least outside of COVID, came into my mind. Now in this Broadway show, it's about a group of teenagers, and one of the teenagers in particular named Evan Hansen, so the show is Dear Evan Hansen, uh, is kind of grappling with the loss of another student at the school. Now this student wasn't best friends with or anything. It was an acquaintance of his, but this student takes his life. And over time, the other kids at the school start to slowly forget about Connor, about this other student. And so Evan and some others start a project to remember him, but also to remind people of who they are and remind people that they are seen and that they are loved. And in one pivotal moment in the musical, Evan Hansen goes into an assembly and he stands on the stage at the microphone and he gives a speech in song, of course, because it's Broadway. And I'm not going to sing it, but the chorus, the first verse in the chorus of the song goes like this. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear, like you could fall, and no one would hear? If you're a Broadway purist, Ava Grace, I'm jumping to the chorus, I'm skipping the bridge. Even when the darkness comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, and when you're broken on the ground, you will be found. So let the sun come streaming in, because you'll reach up and you'll rise again. Lift your head and look around. You will be found. Now you may be wondering, why did this chorus come to my mind as I thought about Epiphany, as I thought about the journey of the Magi, as I thought about our journey as Christians in 2021, and it was really the end of that chorus. You will be found. Because as I thought about us coming, to January of 2021, one of the things that kept coming to my mind, and maybe it's just true of me, but since I'm the preacher today, you have to listen to me talk about it, is that I really feel like I've lost a little bit of a sense of who I am in 2020. With everything else that's going on, I left 2020 reeling a bit. Who am I as we return to normal, whatever that may look like? Who am I as I look into the world and see so much death and darkness from COVID and from so many other things? Who am I as a minister as I've looked into our community and seen so much suffering and a lot of it we can do something about and a lot of it we can't do anything about at this moment? Who am I as a person who has had family things happen in my family, things that we could have never imagined a year ago, things that we're still grappling with ourselves? Who am I as a person of faith trying to figure out where is Christ in all this and what is Christ calling me to do? And if there was no other example of 2020 reminding me of exactly the fact that I don't know who I am, on New, on New Year's Eve, December 31st, I went to Starbucks to get my peppermint mocha that I usually get with skim milk, and they got that right. But when she asked my name and then handed me my cup, I was very surprised to find out that my new name apparently is Aaron. I don't know how you get Aaron out of Lawrence. I completely don't know. Maybe she's busy. But on the very last day of 2020, I was reminded of the very fact that coming out of that awful year, I have no idea exactly who I'm being called to be in this new year. Now, I also recognize by putting this on the screen as part of a sermon, some of you are going to call me this until the time that I am not pastor here again, and I will never forgive you. But coming out of 2020, many of us, don't know exactly who we are and who we are called to be. But I think the journey of the Magi has something to teach us about who exactly we're called to be as followers of Christ in this new year as we seek to move forward. And so we're going to look at their journey and see what is Jesus calling us to. 
And the first thing I think we learn from this journey is that on this journey, we find ourselves called to be a people who wonder. Now, we could all use a little bit more wonder in our lives. The ability to step out into the world, to look around us, to look into the situations that we're facing, and just stand in awe, stand in amazement of what God is doing around us. But over time, we lose the sense of wonder that we had. And we all had it at some point. It is within us. I see it every single day when I look at my daughter, Kennedy. Now, Kennedy's almost a year and a half old next month. And everything in this life brings wonder to her, brings amazement to her. It doesn't matter if it's a pen she finds under the couch. It doesn't matter if it's a new food that she gets to taste. It doesn't matter if it's the Christmas tree. And this year, her favorite word has been tree. And she can point out all the trees in our house. It doesn't matter if she's discovering her sibling's name. She loves to say Jackson at this particular moment or point at the window because she knows that Jack is probably out there shooting hoops in the driveway. Everything about life brings Kennedy a sense of wonder. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we all had that sense of wonder at some point, right? We had that moment, if you were like me, when I first became a Christian in middle school where everything about Jesus was exciting. Scripture was exciting, church was exciting, youth group was exciting, going on trips was exciting, learning details about Jesus I never knew, tying connections of Jesus to the Old Testament that I never knew existed. Everything that I learned about Jesus was exciting to me. I stood in a sense of constant wonder at what I was learning about Christ, and then as I looked out into the world, those points where I could see Christ moving and working where I had never seen Christ before, even though all of those things had existed before I became a Christian, I stood in a sense of constant wonder. And in our passage today, we find that the Holy Family stands in of wonder too. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus not so much, he's a baby, but Mary and Joseph at least. They have all of these moments that draw them back to the things that God's doing in the world. The things that happened before Jesus was born with angels appearing and relatives who shouldn't be pregnant getting pregnant and all things that were happening there to lead up to Jesus' birth. And then Jesus is born and there in the miracle of childbirth, which is in of itself, all of a sudden shepherds are coming out of the to worship Jesus. All of a sudden, all of these things are beginning to happen to, to what had been told them by the angels, that Jesus really was who they said he was. And then in the moments that followed Jesus' birth, as last week we talked about them going to the temple and just living their ordinary lives when Simeon and Anna show up, and they know all about who Jesus is without anybody telling them because God and the Spirit led them to the temple that day, and we're told that throughout all of this, Mary treasures these things in her heart. And we're told that Joseph stands in amazement with her at all the things that they are learning about who Jesus is. Everything about Jesus makes Mary and Joseph stand in wonder of what God is doing in the world. But as I said, we've been there. We've had that sense. But life comes in. It knocks us down. And if you're of a certain age, I don't care what age you are, even if you are a child or a teenager, you've, you've lived enough life to know that living life is not easy. At some point, as much as I want to protect and shield her from it, my daughter Kennedy is going to learn that not everything is exciting. Not everything will bring her wonder. Not everything is going to be great. Now, she has perfected this particular a little bit, especially when we tell her no, so she's slowly figuring it out. But my goal for her 
is that in the long run, she will still wake up every day, and my goal for my other kids too, is that they will wake up every day seeking a sense of wonder in the world around them. That they will know that Christ is calling them and us to find wonder again. To know that there's always something to stand in amazement about in this world. No matter what is going on, to pay attention and to look for where Christ is moving and working in the world. As Mr. Rogers once said, our society is much more interested in information than wonder, in noise rather than silence. And I feel that we need a lot more wonder and a lot more silence in our lives. And so as we enter into 2021, trying to discover who are we to find ourselves again, I think the starting point is to be a people of wonder again. To be amazed at what Christ is doing in the world. To look around us and even in the deepest moments of darkness, still see goodness. And I hope as you ended 2020 and you reflected on the awful parts of that year, you still looked back and saw some of the good that was happening there. The way teachers pivoted in ways that they could never imagine to bring the classroom to their students in new ways. The way that healthcare providers stood as ministers to their patients, the way that those who worked in nursing homes that literally had no energy left still finding ways to be a presence for other people, the way that grocery store workers and restaurant workers and other people still put smiles on their faces as people were rude to them because they just didn't like what was going on, the way that so many people out in a world full of darkness still somehow found light and hope in the midst of an awful year. And I hope as we move into 2021, we take more opportunity to do that. To look into the deepest of darkness, even if it's in our own lives, even if we don't want to get out of bed, to say that God is still moving. Christ is still calling us to seek light and hope. Christ is still calling us to see a light that shines in the darkness that the darkness does not overcome. And that we will have at least little moments of wonder in this new year at what Christ is doing. The journey of the Magi and the Holy Family in our passage doesn't just stop at calling us to have a sense of wonder. More difficult than that, the journey of the Magi and the Holy Family in our passage also calls us to be a people who take risks in 2021. As we read this passage, we encounter the Magi also known as the wise men or other names that you may call them. And we really don't know a lot about them. What we do not know about them that we often think we do is, one, we don't know how many of them were. Over Christian history, we looked at Scripture and said, okay, they had gold and they had frankincense and they had myrrh, so there must be three of them. But in reality, we don't know that there were three. There could have been hundreds of them coming to pay homage to the new king. We don't know their gender. Now, we call them the wise men, but there could have been men and women coming to pay homage to Jesus on that first Christmas. We also don't know that they were kings. Now, in the passage I read from Isaiah, we see that kings will bow down, but in reality, this idea of them being three kings happened in the Middle Ages. You know, when they were writing tales about King Arthur and the round table and kings and lords and ladies and all of that were a big deal, all of a sudden in the church, the man became known as the three kings. Kings. But what we do know about them is one, they're not from the area, so they're not Jewish, they don't know this place, their home is very far away, the people that they love and that they know are nowhere near where they are. We know that they are people of another religion, they don't even know the Old Testament scripture, they have to go to Herod to find out what's what and where Jesus is. And we also know that just the term magi, the term that they carry, and the fact that they're following a star means that they would have been astrologers of some sort in their day. They were the scientists 
of their day. They were living out an experiment. A star has appeared in the sky, and we're going to follow it to see where it goes. And so they begin to follow it, and somewhere along the way, they come across this prophecy that a new king of the Jews is going to be born, and they tie that to the star, and they think, if we follow the star, we're going to find the new king of the Jews. And so they come to Herod. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because Herod is king of the Jews. So they come to the king of the Jews and say, hey, king of the Jews, we need, to help, we need your help to help us find the new king of the Jews. Now, at this point, the Magi have taken two risks already to follow the star of Christ. One, they left everything they knew behind, everything that was comfortable, everything that made sense to them to go on this long journey to find this new king. But two, they've now come to the king of the Jews, Herod the Great, and they have walked into his court, and they have asked him, where is the new king of the Jews? Now, why is that important? Why would that be a risk for them? Well, Herod the Great, as such, because he built a lot of architectural wonders. He did a lot of great things. He rebuilt the temple. He did a lot of other things that were amazing and great. But Herod was also a paranoid guy. A very paranoid guy who rose to power as king of the Jews by an unexpected appointment by the Roman Senate who lived through the military conquest of his people. He literally became king because he went into where? Into Judea and other places and he took over by military conquest. One of those architectural things that he built was a palace that he built high up on a hill because he felt that somebody was going to march in and take his kingdom away from him. He had 2,000 bodyguards to protect him, to keep him safe. It's said that he had a secret police force that lived among his own people who would come and report on anyone who dare say anything negative about him. And if they did, or if they even gave an inkling of an idea that they were going to try to take his throne away, they were immediately imprisoned and then possibly killed. As a matter of fact, his own sister talked him into believing that his wife, one of his wives, that he loved very much, was plotting against him. And so what did Herod do? He divorced her quietly like Joseph wanted to do? No, he had her and her entire family killed because he wasn't going to stand for anyone, even his beloved wife, taking over his throne. It said that if Herod felt that anything was going wrong, he would go into a downward spiral and he would kind of just go a little crazy and he would start killing people left and right. And the events following our passage is the Magi return home by another route, and Herod finds out he's been tricked. What does he do? Well, he tells his guard to go down into Bethlehem and to kill every firstborn son under two years of age to make sure that this new king of the Jews has no chance of taking his throne away. Herod's not even Jewish. He's a descendant of the Edomites who lived in a region south of Judah. So the people don't even like him very much other than the fact that he's rebuilt in the temple because he's not even one of them. But it also means that he's not of the line of David. And the Magi show up and they say, we're looking for the true king of the Jews, the one that is from the line of David. And Herod immediately knows that he's in trouble because that's what the people want. Somebody who's a descendant of King David, not this other guy who is ruling them through military conquest put in place by the Romans. And so the minute that the Magi step into King Herod's court, they put their lives at risk. They take a risk to follow this star, but when they get to Bethlehem or near Bethlehem, they have no idea where to go. So even though they probably had some idea of who Herod really was, they still took a risk and said, we've got to find the new king at the other end of this star 
So they take a giant risk that is even their lives, and somehow they escape, and they are sent as messengers of Herod to Jesus' house. Now, as we think about this and the Magi taking these risks, one of the things that I think that we learn is that many of us don't like to take risks, especially in our faith. Now, why is that? Well, that is true because risks take a lot out of us. They require us to step outside of our comfort zone. They require us to take leaps of faith, to trust that whatever God is calling us to do is what God is calling us to do, and that God will be with us in that. But sometimes risks can be painful. Sometimes risks can lead us out of the places, the things that we know. Sometimes risks can shake up everything about us. But as we enter into 2021, it's good to be reminded that the faith journey that Christ calls us to is one of risk. It's not one of everything being planned out. It's not one of knowing what's going to come tomorrow. It's one of stepping into every new day with a sense of wonder, but also saying, okay, God, today, what are you going to call me to do that's going to take me out of what is comfortable? What are you going to call me to do that's going to shake up everything about my life and my world? What risk are you going to call me to? Because to truly find what Christ calls us to, it will take risks. And some people will say, well, Lord, Taking risks will not be easy. My response to you and to myself as we enter into 2021 as people who follow after Christ is taking risks and following Christ should not be easy. Because if we do everything in our power to stay comfortable, to do things as they've always been, to live on faith as it always has been, to understand it as it always has been done, to never ask questions, to never look places that we haven't been, to never go where we feel Christ is calling us to, then we will have missed a big part of what it means to follow Jesus. Because seeking Christ is a journey of risk-taking. And how we love those around us, and how we address injustice and oppression in our world, and how we, like the Magi at the end of our passage, stand against the evil systems and powers that are against the kingdom of God. They stand against in defiance of King Herod when they go back by another route. And Herod responds negatively. But they say the call of Christ in our lives is to go back home and to tell people what we have experienced. And God has called us a different direction. Seeking Christ is a journey of risk-taking, even in how we exist as a relevant voice for Christ in an ever-changing world. It's spending our lives journeying after Christ as people who take risks. We spurn the comfortable world around us. We look at our faith, and we look at people who look at our faith and our church and our religion and say, it doesn't have anything to say for today. And we say to them, as people who take risks, let's go. Let's step into this world and show you that Christ still has a relevant voice. Let's go and change the world. Let's look at the negative things that people can't see past and see goodness and see the ability to move in them. Let's see the light that shines in the darkness that the darkness does not overcome. And so as we enter into 2021 and we seek who we are and try to find ourselves, I think, one, we are a people being called to wonder. To be called to see God in the world around us, everywhere, and the goodness that God and the movement that God is doing. But I think we're also called to be people who take risks, to step out into every day and to say, you know what, today I may have to do something that is not going to be comfortable, that is not going to be the best thing that some of my family and friends think I should be doing, but it's what Christ has called me to do and it's what I am going to do. And as we take those two things in our mind and try to figure out, well, where does that lead us? And we ask the question, what's next? I think part of the answer is found first in a poem by Howard Thurman as he talks about the events following Christmas. 
He says, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, that's when the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among all, to make music in our hearts. Friends, as we enter into 2021 and we seek what's next as a people who are, live in wonder and who take risks, what we are being called to do is impact the world around us. We're not being called to sit on our hands and say, you know what, whenever church gets back to normal, we will get back to living out our faith again. We're not called to just say, well, I'll sit in my house at my table and read my Bible for myself and I'll pray for myself and I'll pray for other people and that will be that. And we're called to be a people in a church who step out into our community, who step out into our world, and who say, you know what, we're coming out of an awful year. And you may believe there is no hope. The darkness is closing in. But stand up, because this year you will be found. Because I believe that there is a light in this world that the darkness does not overcome. And so as people moving into 2021 and we're saying, what is next for us? I think that's what's next. It's taking a step. It's taking a leap of faith. It's standing as a people who wonder. And so this week, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. What I want you to do every day between now and next Sunday is I want you to take a moment at the end of every day, take a piece of paper or a journal or a whiteboard or the bathroom mirror, whatever it is you have available to you. Maybe not the bathroom mirror. I saw Jason Hall look up a little quick there. So Reagan and Chase, don't run into bathroom mirror. But what I want you to do is at the end of every day, I want you to reflect on that day, and I want you to think of one thing, one moment where you saw something that God did and you stand in amazement and wonder of it. Just one thing. It may be the smallest thing that you could possibly think of. It may not be a huge thing. It doesn't have to be world-altering and life-shattering. Just one thing as you look back on your day to try to say, where was God at work today? It was an awful day, or it was a great day, but where is one moment where even the smallest flicker of a candle of light was seen? Write that down. Just write it down every day. And then, after you do that, I want you to spend a moment in prayer, and I want you to ask God to show you one risk, just one. Hopefully you'll have more than one, but just one risk that God is calling you to take outside of your comfort zone and your comfortable lives this week. So one thing that brought you wonder in that day, and pray that God will show you one risk that you will take. Now, unlike homework, I'm not going to come up here next Sunday and call on each individual person and have you share whether you did it or not. This is for you. But whatever those things are, serving others, strengthening a relationship, sharing your faith, inviting someone to a church event virtually or otherwise, getting involved in a new project or program, serving others in a way you haven't, telling someone you love them, telling someone you care about them, air hugging someone from a distance or hugging them if you were able to do that in your house. Whatever it may be, one risk that you are called to take of one thing that God is showing you that you have a sense of wonder about. And as you journey into 2021, hear this. No matter what God calls you to, no matter what you face, as you seek to find who you are as a person and as a person of faith in moving into 2021, you are not alone. Because one of the things that Christ did when he called us together as his church was to give us a community that walks with us, that journeys with us, that knows as we take risks, we do that as much together as we do individually, and that says we can make a difference in this world. We may not change it individually on an individual basis, but together there is nothing that we can't do. And so in 2021, no matter what you may face, you are not 
alone. And the other thing I want you to hear as we end the sermon today is this. The one who has called us, the one whose light we follow, is faithful and journeys with us too.